Well, isn't that awesome? I just feel so clean, you know, when I think of the body of Jesus and His blood and what He brought forth for us. Now, today we're going to continue, um, you know, in our series speaking um, on the book of Ephesians. And uh, we are busy talking about spiritual warfare. Now, uh, if you didn't get the message last Sunday, <coughs> the last Sunday's message, please, uh, after this uh, stream, you know, just go and download that message. Uh, from our webpage, uh, just go to Sunday Service Archive and you'll find it at the top there. Um, if you're just listening to this one, now you will see it will obviously be the second one. Uh, it will really touch your life. Now, we're going to just recap in short uh, about the uh, last week's message. So, um, we're reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 to 13 today and we're going to go a bit on as well. <clears throat> this will just be the recap. It's very important to know that um, the concept we have of spiritual warfare uh, through the ages, you know, I mean, I'm talking about my, the last two, two decades, you know, um, has been a concept wherein we are trying to war against Satan so that God can conquer, you know, the devil. Uh, that is not the case. You know, God is not sitting in heaven, you know, and there's a fight and a battle between Jesus and the devil. And sometimes the devil win and sometimes Jesus win. And, uh, you know, like we would get in the movies, you know, where you get the, the bad guy actually always wins until the very end. And then out of this desperation and last attempt, you find the good guy come and he kills the bad guy. You know, that is not the case in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has come with, uh, has conquered over Satan. He was never, he never lost against Satan. Not at all. He's not even in a battle with the devil. Uh, you know, wherein, we, wherein he is, you know, trying to conquer or those kind of things. The scriptures in the Bible which refers to battle between, uh, you know, God and Satan just doesn't talk about Satan overthrowing the kingdom of God. What it talks about is that uh, the people of God, you know, went and believed in a wrong belief system and they allowed the kingdom of Satan, which was his way of doing things, into their hearts. And in the gospel is about how God came and set them free. Uh, that is what it is. But the Apostle Paul comes and places in the Bible where it talks about a battle, you know, for the battle is in our hearts and our, our minds. The, the battle is uh, for our minds. So um, let, let's know that. Jesus is not like almost or just, just winning over Satan. He completely defeated him. He disarmed him. If you want to use uh, battle terminology, he disarmed him completely. He, in a triumphant entry, he, he, he led the victory, you know, and, and showed that he was victorious over death in the lives of people. Uh, that is what it's about. So let's read Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 11. It says, Put on the full armor of God, for, uh, sorry, I've got the wrong translation here. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, last Sunday, we said that the word wiles here um, basically comes from, it's the word methodia, or where we get method, stand against the method of the devil. 
and we uh, it, it comes it's compiled out of two words the word meta here which means together with there you get the one word and then the other word um, is is this word the word to travel or journey so the word wiles talks about the method of the devil or the to journey with the devil so it says you put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand um, again uh, sorry to be able to stand against the wiles or this journey with the devil and then the word devil there diablos um, prone to slander slanderous accusing falsely false accuser or slanderer so here we um, we can clearly see you know that th that this whole journey that he talks about is or the whole armor of God is to protect us or that we can we will be able to stand against the journey that false accusation wants to actually bring over us and it says in verse 12 there for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities that word principalities means the principal thing basically against powers against rulers of darkness um, uh, talks about the rulers of the darkness system which is the legalistic law system where you don't believe that God is the one that pulls your wagon, but where you want to say, where you say, I'm doing it myself, of this world. Talks about the world system as well there. Um, and in this, in this case, the people would, under, would, would have understood it just as the, the Jewish system of works righteousness against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, so it talks about this spiritual wickedness that wanted to exalt itself against God. Then uh, uh, Ephesians 6.13 Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand. Stand therefore having your loins girt with the truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now what's very important that I want you guys to see here it says wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That word evil there full of labors annoyances, hardship, pressed and harassed by labors, bringing toils, annoyances, perils of a time of full peril um, to the Christian faith and steadfastness causing pain and trouble. So we can see a lot of the emphasis here is on uh, labors, pressed and harassed by labors. So the word evil means to be pressed and harassed by, um, by, by labors. So when we look at that, we see that the armor of God, he says, put on the whole armor of God that we will not go on to this journey into works with Satan. That's what he wants. He wants you to take on the whole armor of God. That word armor also means a utensil to prepare something. Like you would say, say a hammer, uh, um, you know, a hammer is there or a saw is there. That something that you use in order to prepare something. So God has given us certain tools, certain uh, um, you know, instruments wherein we protect ourselves. Now, we, th th we need to understand that the spiritual warfare we talk about here is not just an outside onslaught. We're not getting dressed in some armor every day and now we're resisting the devil. I remember, you know, I think I mentioned it last time, you know, I would get dressed in the armor of God and then every, every day and in the morning I get dressed in the armor of God again and every morning I get dressed in the armor of God again I say I put on the helmet of salvation I put on the breastplate of righteousness I, I put on all these things I gird my loins with the truth and, and all, that, all, all of that and um, what then what, what the problem is 
is the following. It's very simple. Why do we have to get dressed in it every day? You know, it's as if you go to bed tonight and then it's gone. No, when it talks about the armor of God, it talks about a belief system. It talks about what you need to believe to be protected against that which Satan wants to bring your way. So when he goes and he, and he, and, and he, he goes to, um, to, the, uh, to verse 14, where it says, have your loins girded with the truth, what he's saying is actually walk in the truth. That's all he's saying. He says, just continue to walk in the truth. Now, um, let us go and have a look at Ephesians 6.14, and we're going to just see some interesting things here today um, concerning the, the weapons of our warfare. That's it. Um, it says, stand therefore having your loins girt with the truth. That word loins there, it says, the hip, the loin, to girt, to girt about the loins. A loins, the place where the Hebrews thought the um, generative power or the semen resided. Um, Strong's, it says the loins, the hip, or procreative power. It talks about the very ability to reproduce or actually then to bear fruit. So what he is actually saying there is he says, listen, when we abide in the truth, we, the, the ability to bear the fruit of God will be in us. And we will continue to bear fruit and we will protect you know, the seed that is inside us by walking in the truth. And the seed is that which will uh, create after its own kind. So in other words, the way I see that verse is, God is saying to every one of us, continue to walk in the truth and you shall, you shall protect this whole fruit-bearing system that God has. Now, how does the fruit, how does God bear fruit in us? We must realize that fruit-bearing is not your responsibility. Fruit-bearing is God's responsibility. He took it upon Him to bear the fruit. He, um, and you might say, but Bertie, you know, I don't, I, I don't believe that. Well, the Bible clearly says in John 15, and we're not going to go into the verse now, but He says there, Abide in Me, and I abide in you. If you abide in Me, and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. For of yourself... You can do nothing, therefore abide in me so that I can bear my fruit in you. The plan that God had from before time was that man would experience his quality of life on account of him living in us. Or actually on account of him just sharing that life with us. For us to experience his quality of life and to know exactly what his kind of life is, he had to have a being that has understanding, a being that has an ability to believe, that can be persuaded, that's got a free will, and all those kind of things. So he created a being like that. And the truth about that being was that the life that was given to that being belonged to God. That he was, um, he was a being that was created in inside friendship with God, in the image and likeness of God. And God came to share his life with him. So, if this being would get confused about who he is and not know the truth about himself, the truth about his, his God that created him, and for instance start to believe that um, the God that created him is a taskmaster that wants to build his kingdom on his back, for instance. When you don't walk in that truth, you know what will happen in you? The fruit of a peaceable relationship will be destroyed. 
Let's look at Adam and Eve in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Very simple. What happened to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden came and Satan said to them that you can be like God by knowing good and evil. After they partook of that um, fruit, God came to talk to them again. God came like any other day. And what did Adam and Eve do? They hid themselves from God. So there was a fruit of boldness, always. There's always been boldness. There's been uh, uh, friendship. There's been communication. There's been acceptance. And all of a sudden, when they didn't walk in the truth anymore, and the truth was that if you eat of this tree, you'll die. They didn't walk in that truth. They believed the lie. And when they didn't walk in the truth, what happened? All of a sudden, all the fruit of confidence, the fruit of friendship, the fruit of um, boldness, the fruit of no guilt, all of that was taken away. Acceptance was taken away. And all of a sudden, wrong fruit comes forth. So the only way you can protect your heart uh, or protect your life uh, to have the fruit of the enemy manifest in your life is by walking in the truth. That is the only only way. Now, the word true, according to Webster's, means the following. It says, conformable to fact, being in accordance to the actual state of things. Let me say it again. Conformable to fact. So if you walk in the truth, then, uh, or truth is anything that conforms to the real facts. That which is in accordance to the actual state of things. What is the actual state of things as pertaining to God and what He knows about us? Jesus Christ comes in John, I think John 14, and He makes this astounding statement. And He says, I am the truth. Jesus says that He is the truth. So Jesus actually is the actual state of things, and He is the message or that which conforms to the actual state of things. And when Jesus came to the earth, we saw that He took the sin of the world upon Him, and He represented man under the law and under sin, for that was the actual state of things. And when Jesus died, He was still the word of the actual state of things. The actual state of things as pertaining to every man is that the, the sin of man was taken out of the way. That the law system was taken out of the way. That is the actual state of things. So uh, if, if that is the actual state of things, anything you hear, anything you listen to church, needs to conform to the actual state of things. The actual state of things is that Jesus Christ is the word about you, is that you are united with God in Christ, is that you have been, or let me put it this way, is that your sins has been taken away, that the lawman has been taken away. So the only way in which we can actually um, uh, 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 walk in the truth is by only listening to things that are in accordance to the actual state of things, and Jesus Christ is the actual state of things as pertaining to you. It also means uh, not concealing, not to conceal or not to hide, but to bring that which is true or original forth. Now, if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you will see that uh, Moses, it talks about the account where Moses went onto the mountain, and when Moses was on the mountain, what happened there? Uh, you know, he was in the presence of God, 
he saw the glory of God, and then he went down, and his face was shining with the glory of God. And uh, what they then did was, they took uh, a veil and put it over the face of Moses, so that people could not see this glory, and this glory was even passing away. It was not an eternal glory. Now you might say, but why would people want to do that? I want to see a man whose face is shining. Now imagine you have somebody that's face is shining like a, a 5,000 watt halogen, you know, a, a floodlight, and uh, he comes to visit you. It's not going to be fun, you know. <laughs> How do you look at this guy? He's got just light shining out of him, bright light shining out of him. So they did, what they did was, they put a veil so that they could not see the light. And that is, uh, you know, that is a sign of uh, what is not true. Truth is to reveal the light. Uh, uh, what is not true is, or what would be false is, to give an image of what is not really there. And that is closing, you know, that was that veil. And then the Bible says that the veil is upon the hearts of every person that um, reads the law. So when we read the law, what happens is we are not walking in the truth. When we take the law and we want to live by the law, what do we do? We veil the glory that God is trying to reveal to us in our hearts. Because from birth, God speaks to every human's heart, be it through an emotion, a feeling, a, a prompting of the heart, whatever you want to call it. He speaks to every person and this is what he says. He says, you know, that I've taken away your sin. You are valuable. You belong to me. Um, you know, the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to me. I promise you immortality. I've conquered sin. I've conquered all these things. That's what he promises. And there's a yearning towards that in our hearts. But by the reading of the law, that inner joy that God comes to give every person, what happens? A veil is put over that. If you've never received that in your heart, you know, then darkness abides in your heart and you start, you continue to walk in darkness. But even we as Christians, when we go back to legalism and law uh, and we're not walking in the truth about us, a veil is put over our hearts and that which is in our heart cannot shine forth. That which you, that which you really are cannot shine forth. That which God has come and made true in Christ cannot shine forth because you veil your belief and you are not walking in the truth. So truth means not concealing. And when you walk in legalism and law where you find your identity in that which you must do for God or, what, or, or in what you possess, what you drive, uh, your achievements and all those kind of things, and you find your life from that, you will veil things like love, joy, peace, kindness, and all those kind of things. You know, it, it will be veiled. The truth of who you are will not shine forth on account of unbelief and, and not walking in the truth. So remember that everything we say here is in the context of not going on a journey with false accusation. So when we have our loins girded with the truth, what he's actually saying is, um, he's saying, just walk in the truth and you will continue to see the fruit of God in your life. And you will not given, be given over to that which um, cannot bring forth fruit in your life.
Isn't that beautiful? Man, that is absolutely awesome. I'm, I'm blessed by that. You know, I never understood all those things. I just thought, well, gird, gird the loins with the truth, you know. And um, I thought the truth is um, never to tell a lie. Now, I'm not saying we should go out and tell lies. You know, the Bible says don't lie to one another. So, uh, let's, uh, uh, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that, um, you know, thinking not to tell a lie and uh, thinking that should you tell a lie and uh, not, you know, speak all the truth every time, that is going to cause you to lose your salvation or not to have the fruit of God in your life is a lie. And then you're not walking in the truth. Again, I'm saying, I don't say go out and, and lie. Uh, but, you know, if I look at my friend, if I look at myself, for instance, let, let me use this in another form of truth. I would say, you know, the truth is, you know, if I have done something wrong, say I've, I've, I told a lie, that means I'm now a liar in the eyes of God. Now, that is not the truth. That is a lie. And should I believe that? Should I believe that if I told a lie, I'm a liar in the eyes of God and God judges me as a liar? Um, you know, that will take away every form of um, truth that I could ever have spoken, you know, and sincerity from me. And I will start to tell more and more lies for the law is the power of sin. That is what uh, 1 Corinthians Fifteen fifty-five actually says. So, I don't want to make this confusing, but when we walk in the truth, we should not define the truth just as, um, you know, truth between people. When we, we say, well, I was there at 7, but you were actually there at 7.30. That is not what he's talking about. He's talking about Jesus as the only truth about you. The Bible says, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Amen. Now, let's go on to, um, to, and just read verse 14 there again. This is what it says. Um, it says, Stand therefore having your loins girt with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay, the breastplate of righteousness, then we're also just going to talk about the feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Here it says in verse 15, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Right, um, so when we look at the breastplate of righteousness, uh, I think it's quite okay to go to Romans 10 and look at righteousness there. For the Bible says, with a heart we believe unto righteousness. So the way in which you're going to protect your heart or your belief system is by shielding it with the message of righteousness. Now, there are different righteousnesses in the Bible. One of them that I'm going to talk about today is the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is not the righteousness of man. And the righteousness of God is the good, equitable deed that God brought forth in Jesus Christ. The, 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 the way God is as He is supposed to be. 
and, and how he was supposed to be is to pay for our sins, take away our sins, get us away from slavery, and to walk in accordance to love who he truly is. Now, um, when we look at that righteousness of God, and we, take, and we shield our belief with the message of God is a righteous God that gives forth righteousness as a free gift, and we believe unto this righteousness, which I will now explain, we will find that our heart is at a safe place. You know, the Bible says, guard your heart above all things that must be guarded. How do we guard our heart? We watch out at what we look at and what we hear. What do you see? I don't want to see myself as a lawman. I want to see myself crucified with Him. When we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus, and we see that that glory that shines in the face of Jesus, doesn't just shine in the face of Jesus, but it shines on the face of a human, of a man, which... Uh, in who I am. So it talks about me. And when, that, when I see that glory, that glory starts to shine in my heart. And when I see the righteous act committed by God, brought forth by God, my belief system is protected, church. My heart is protected. And I'm in a safe place. And then from that heart, the origin it originates all life. So what he's saying is, protect your life by knowing how righteous God is. When we look at how righteous God is, is God would think it's unrighteous for us to become sinners through the disobedience of one man, and we cannot become righteous through the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ. And He manifested His righteousness towards us. We can also take upon our heart and upon our belief, or protect what we believe, protect our belief system by believing that He gave righteousness as a free gift to us. And that the righteousness that, that He possesses and that is His shall manifest in our life or justification um, through fruit in our life as and immortality in the return of Jesus Christ. So, uh, church, what the Apostle Paul is uh, saying is he's saying, let us protect our hearts by having this message of righteousness. Romans, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, when it refers to the righteousness of God, it refers to Isaiah 52. And let's quickly go to Isaiah 52. And uh, I want to read that to you from verse 4, um, Isaiah 52. Here it is. It says, For thus says the Lord, My people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there. And the Assyrian, this is Pharaoh, oppressed them without cause. Now therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people is taken away for nothing? They that rule over them make them whole, says the Lord, and my name continually every day is blasphemed. Therefore, okay, therefore my people, therefore my people shall know my name, therefore they shall know in that day that I am he that does speak. Behold, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them which bring forth good tidings, that publishes peace, that brings forth Good tidings of good that publishes salvation that says unto Zion, your God reigns. And this is what the Apostle Paul then uses when it comes to Romans 10 where he says, you know, we believe unto righteousness, but how will they believe if, if someone does not preach? And how will they preach unless they are sent? And how will they, uh, you know, and, and, unless, and, and, unless, and then it says, 
how beautiful are the feet of those that bring the good news. What is this good news? This good news is of the righteous thing that happened to us by us being delivered from the oppression of the Assyrian, the oppressor of Egypt, uh, the, the oppression um, of the Egyptian, the oppression from legalism and law and bondage and death and torture where a city is built uh, upon our backs, you know, where, where we were the one taught, laboring for the king and where the king could not provide for us, where the king could not care for us when we were in Egypt. But he came and took us away. And that righteousness that is seen in God, where he says, my people are suffering, I'm bringing forth my righteousness, I'm delivering them. When we believe unto this righteousness, when we see that righteousness, you are protecting your heart from believing the wrong thing and your heart is in a safe place. That is what that actually means. Isn't that beautiful? So people, let us stand in the message of how righteous we are in Jesus Christ and what He has freely given us. Now, let us now go uh, to um, Ephesians. We need to finish off here. Uh, Ephesians again, it says here, stand therefore having your Lord, sorry, verse 15, mm, I'm in the wrong place here, here it is, 15, and your feet shod, that word shod there, this is what it means, to bind under one's feet, so this is something you put underneath your foot that protects you, with the preparation of the gospel, the preparation of the gospel. Now, I've always seen this, um, you know, this as, you know, I must be prepared to go and take the good news out. I must be go. I must be prepared to go and preach the gospel. And if I am prepared to go and preach the gospel of peace, then I protect my feet. Now, that is not what it says. What it says is that there is a preparation of the gospel. Jesus Christ came and he said in John 14, and, and this is what I, what I said, I've never preached before, this is the first time I'm, I've, no, this is the second time I preached this, I've preached this morning in our church in Durbanville. Jesus says in John 13, he says, I'm going away and where I go you cannot come. Then Peter said to him, I will go with you even if I have to die, I'll go with you. Then Jesus says, you'll deny me three times, Peter. And then after that, uh, Jesus said to him, but you believe in God, but also believe in me. I go to prepare a place for you. He says, Peter, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And what I found in the church is that we have believed in God, but we have not believed in Jesus. Because what Jesus says is that he will prepare a place for us. And the gospel of peace, the, the, the preparation of the gospel of peace is that which God has prepared for us in accordance to this gospel that says you have now been delivered from legalism and law and the fruit of the flesh. You've been delivered from the slavery and bondage to sin. You've been delivered from hatred and bitterness. The old man was crucified and all its fruit was crucified. You know, the, the law system plus its fruit was crucified. All of that's away. You are led out of Egypt in one day. God led you out. He took you through the river, uh, uh, um, you know, through the through the Red Sea, into, into the desert place, you know, out of Egypt, completely out, where we are now at a place where we experience the promised land by persuasion of what, by believing that that is what He will bring forth in us. So what He is saying here is, 
the preparation of the gospel of peace is to, um, to, to it, it is the protection of your walk in what God has prepared for you in Jesus Christ. Now, how does how does he how does he protect our walk? Um, our walk is protected. Um, let me just find the place here. According to Luke 10 verse 18. And this will be the last verse we're going to read. Uh, Luke 10 verse 18. Luke 10 verse 18. Here it is. Look at this. It says, And he said unto them, Behold, Satan as lightning fell from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you notwithstanding in this rejoice not that this um, that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven so what he's saying here is that we will trample on scorpions and snakes now what does a scorpion do he stings you now the bible says the sting of uh or the sting of death is sin. I hope I've got it right now. So what he says here is that, you know, we will walk in this world and we will be protected against the sting of legalism, the death that is in legalism. We will be protected against the, uh, the bite of Satan, which is he wants to bite you with his message. If we can just continue, continually say that, uh, I walk in that which he prepared for me. I, what do you see him, what, what, what can you see has he prepared for you? He has prepared life and abundance for you. He has prepared a life for you where you are co-seated with him in the Trinity. And that will protect your walk from the stones. Stones talk about the ministration of death written on stones. About the scorpions talks about the sting that is in First uh, Corinthians 15. And snakes talk about the uh, again the, the 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 viper, the snake, the the devil. The Bible says that was a murderer of man from the beginning. We'll be protected against his venom and the death of legalism. We will find the the life of God flowing us as we clothe ourselves with what he the place that he has prepared for us so how do we uh, shut our feet we put underneath our walk we say i don't walk on the law i don't walk on the doctrine of the snake anymore that is not i don't have my foot on that i've got something in between under my foot and what do i put uh, under my walk i actually walk on what i walk on what he prepared for me um, when he went to heaven and I don't just believe that God exists but I also believe in Jesus I believe that he prepared a place for me I, I believe that he is the very place that God prepared for me and that he will come and take me to where he is so that I can be where he is and when we say that we are where he is it doesn't, doesn't talk just about a geographical place it talks about a stand in the spirit it talks about righteous holy blameless above reproach you know, uh, um, it also talks about a place where I don't walk, uh, 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 where I don't have a life based on the basic principles of this world, but where I have a life based on the principles of the Trinity, which is called the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, where I can now live by the spirit that God lives by and not the spirit of the world, which says I am what I do, but I can live by the spirit of God that says I am that I am for he is inside me 
Glory to God. So, people, that is the message that I have for you for today. Um, thank you so much for slotting in. Let me just recap. Let us have, let us not go on a journey with false accusation, which will lead into death, by having a heart believing in the righteousness of God, having uh, the, the truth. By Let's walk in the truth. Let's start with the way the scripture starts. Let's have the ability to have His fruit of kindness and peace and all those things protected by all that we have to do is see Jesus as the only truth about your life. See what He has done and have that in front of your eyes. By doing that, you'll protect what you believe about yourself. You'll protect your heart. In this life, you'll be protected from the bite of the snake. You'll be protected from the, skin of the, uh, the sting of the scorpion. By what? By simply knowing what He has prepared for you and walking in that revelation. Glory to God. Thank you so much for watching this. I would like to pray for you. Father, I thank you that I can pray for every person that is watching me today. Thank you, Lord, that every person's life is enriched by this message. And as they think about this and ponder upon this and just lie down on their bed and meditate upon what you've done for them, I thank you, Father, that they are strengthened and encouraged um, through, through this. And they will know that the spiritual war is all about just looking at what Jesus has done and just continue to look into that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we're not trying to advance, but we are just withstanding. In other words, we are sticking to what you say about us. Thank you, Father. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for watching. I also would like to thank everybody that started to contribute towards Dynamic Love uh, Web Fellowship. Your giving is really generous and wonderful. Thank you so much for that. If any one of you want to give, you can just click on the donate button on our website and just give as you feel led in your heart. Know that your giving cannot get you to be blessed by God. Your giving cannot enrich you in the sense of you sowing seed and God's going to multiply the seed and give you a great harvest or anything like that. No, uh, the harvest uh, or, or the, what, what God has sown Jesus Christ, that's how sowing and reaping works. And what He reaps is you and the fruit in your life as you believe this good news. Thank you so much for your generosity and uh, we will see one another again next Sunday. God bless you. Mm -hmm.